0: It is a little bit windy out there, is it not? Crazy, crazy, crazy. Man, I'll tell you, can you just, our worship team just crushed it today. Can you give them a big hand right now? If you did not know, we are a worshiping church. We love to just worship God and lift our voices. And uh, man, can I just say thank you young people for just, Man, just dancing around and hopping around. I I was down there and I was hopping and I was trying to keep up with Noelle who was up here and stuff. And I just realized, man, I'm out of shape. (laughs) Because I was like trying to sing and dance and I was just like, whoo, man. This is some work here, man. You know, we've been in this series right now. We're in week three of this series called Hidden Figures. And the idea in this series has been this idea that not all of us are called to be the hero of faith. You know, I, I know that many of us here in the room today, we, we look at things and we go, you know, if I could have that story there, that's, that's the story I'd want. So we, we look at people like Moses, David, Abraham... I mean, the disciples, and we look at these different heroes of faith, and we go, man, that's the story I want. But most of the stories of Scripture, in fact, what we even look at throughout history has been hidden figures who are actually setting the stage for the hero of faith to kind of rise up. The first week we, looked, we learned about Ehud and how Ehud was this person who just was simply trusting God, and yet because of his trust in God, because of a moment of saying this evilness and wickedness cannot go on any longer, he actually was a major player in the story that we read throughout scripture. Last week we learned about Shipra and Pua, these two ladies who um, were these midwives who instead of following Pharaoh's commands to kill the children in childbirth, they chose to let those children live as God commanded and walked in obedience to that. And because of their obedience, we learned that Moses literally comes onto the scene. The story of Moses could not have happened if they had trusted the word of Pharaoh over trusting the word of God. And these hidden figures are all throughout. And across our church, I I see hidden figures. I think of Peggy Pierce, who's right over here. And if you don't know, Peggy, on a regular basis, is constantly praying for this gathering. In fact, right now, she's in this gathering, and she's praying that God's presence would be encountered by you. But it's not just her. There are other intercessors all across our church who are praying and believing that you'll have an encounter with God, because we know one simple encounter with God can change everything. This morning, one of our intercessors woke up real early at 3 o'clock. She told me uh, before First gathering. she said, Pastor Brian, she goes, I don't understand. I don't know what was going on. But she said, at 3 o'clock, the Lord woke me up out of bed and said, you've got to start praying for Pastor Brian. You've got to start praying for the church. And so she's like, I didn't get to sleep because I was praying. <laughs> and she's like, I don't know what it was, but she's like, I promise you it's been broken because, man, I, just, I felt like there was, a, there was a breaking moment in there. And what, what she didn't know and what I don't really like sharing is this morning, When I woke up, I woke up at 2.30. And I woke up early because I have been so busy doing things... From the lower level remodel to the marriage reach conference that we just had, I had to prepare seven sessions. That's like writing seven messages in one week, which is a lot, a lot, a lot of work. Plus managing all the things downstairs in the lower level and, uh, <laughs> and down there in the lower level. Man, I keep saying it. But um, there's a the whole backstory there. Anyways, but I'm, I'm sitting there and I, I wake up this morning and I said, God, I need a fresh word. I, I don't know what I'm gonna share this morning. I had been studying throughout the week, but I I hadn't gotten clear direction yet as to what I was gonna share. And here our intercessor is praying and literally I'm sitting there in my office and I'm working on stuff and, and I'm just like, God, I just need a fresh word from you. I need a fresh word from you. And the Lord deposited a word on my heart this morning That when I literally stepped back and I just began to think through what the Lord had deposited, I was like, this is only you and only you, God, can do this. But I believe that he's shown me something in scripture, something that's very familiar, but something that could change everything. In first gathering, we had an amazing, amazing gathering and just an incredible altar response at the end of the gathering. So I'm setting the stage here because I know that God desires to move on your behalf and in your life. So if you have your bibles if you could open up to acts the book of acts this is where we see the early church kind of erupting onto the scene we see god doing amazing things in the early church we see god using hidden figures when you think about hidden figures for a moment we think about people who are out of sight we think of people who are obscure we think about people who are maybe unexplained they're hidden figures they're, they're people who aren't on the front line. They're not normally the ones who we read about or, or, or learn Bible stories about them. They're the overlooked. They're the ones who aren't normally chosen. Has anyone ever been in that place where you didn't get chosen for something, maybe a team I know for me, as a young man, I remember the, the lineup. You guys remember the lineup? We'd be playing dodgeball, or we'd be playing like, some sport out on the playground, and you'd line all the kids up, right? And the kid who was really good at the sport, he was normally the captain, and then the popular kid was the other captain. And they would pick their teams based upon the abilities that they thought of the people. And, and honestly, this is a true story, I'm not saying this, there were many times where I sat there in the line, ready to play, and they would go, yeah, you, you, and I'd watch the kid next to me go, and watch the kid next to me go over there, and all of a sudden, it'd be to the end, and they would look at me, and they'd say, sorry, Brian, the team's full, you can't play. And I would literally be like, you're the biggest jerk in the whole entire world, and kind of walk off, right? And, and what I want to talk to you about today is, what do you do when you're not chosen? What do you do when you don't get picked for the team? See, hidden figures, a lot of times, they aren't the ones who get picked. They're the ones who are behind the scenes. They're the ones who don't get picked for the team I mean, for all of us. I mean, there's so many different moments, maybe where you where you haven't been chosen. Maybe you didn't get chosen to be the spelling bee representative for your class, or maybe you didn't get chosen to be on homecoming court, or maybe you didn't get chosen for student council, or maybe you didn't get chosen for that promotion at work, or maybe you didn't get chosen for to be the lead on that project. Life is filled with moments of not being chosen. And what most of the times happens is is when we don't get chosen, we respond in a negative rather than a positive. Instead of saying, oh, man, I'm open to be able to do other things, we say, oh, I didn't get chosen. Oh, there must be something wrong with me. Oh, woe is me. So there's this guy here in the book of Acts that the Lord led me to and said, Brian, look at his story. He's he's kind of one of those unknown hidden figures in the midst of other great heroes of faith. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. It reads this, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is in near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room. Now, Many of us who are Pentecostal, you've grown up in the church, you know when, when in the book of Acts, we're talking about the upper room, we're talking about the spot, the place where the Spirit of God, the, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit was poured out. A day known as the Day of Pentecost. I and mean, this is a big deal. And so here we find them going into that upper room. It says where they were staying. And then all of a sudden now we're going to see these heroes of faith, these, these big guys. We're going to see kind of the... the, the The 11 now, it used to be 12, but now 11. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All of these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So we see the disciples are there, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there, we see the brothers are there, Jesus' brothers, so all, everyone's gathered in, and then it goes on to say, in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. Now, Peter was the guy, man, like he was the one who was always quick to kind of answer. When Jesus gathered around with the, his disciples around the table, and he's like, listen, one of you is going to betray, Peter's like, not me, Lord, not I, but yet we see later he denies them. So Peter's this guy who kind of jumps onto the scene. It says, in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. So how many people are there? This is not a trick question. How many people are there? 120. About 120. There's always one in the group. About 120 in there. And it says... Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand that by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in the ministry. What is Peter saying? Peter is saying, listen, guys, everybody, the 120, all of you who are here, listen, we all know what happened to Judas. Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Later on, he ends up committing suicide, hangs himself, his guts are spilled out upon the field. Listen, you guys know what happened to Judas. He used to be one of us. He's no more. And so we got a vacancy. We got, we got a spot on the team. So in a way, Peter was lining up 109 people and putting them on the line. they you may say, well, why, why 109? Well, it says there was 120 and there was eleven disciples, so we know that there was one hundred and nine to be able to choose from. So we know that all these great heroes of faith are being mentioned. We know there's around one hundred and twenty of them, and this is what Peter says: Let another take his office. Basically, hey, we got an opening, so let's choose somebody. Let's pick somebody. Boo on Judas. But let's put somebody in his place. goes on to say, so one of the men who had accompanied us during all that time, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us and one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. What was basically Peter saying? Peter was saying, listen, this guy has to have been with Jesus the whole span of his ministry. The other thing is, is as an apostle, he had one job. He had to have been a witness to Jesus' resurrection. That's what apostle is, someone who witnesses Jesus' resurrection. From the baptism, he, he needs to have been there from the baptism of his cousin John, Jesus' cousin John, to his resurrection by the power of God. So how many, again, were among them? About 120. How many was there to pick? Around 109. And so here's what happens. They put forward two. Joseph, called Barabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. Now, Barabbas, by name, would would mean generosity. Matthias would mean gift of God. So there's these two men who have these incredible names that are being presented. But here's what's crazy is they get presented and there's 107 who didn't get picked. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought of this from this viewpoint, but think about it. There's 109 to start with, roughly, and 107 of them are said, you didn't make the cut. You didn't even make the first round. It's like March Madness. You didn't, you didn't even get invited to the tournament. 107 of you, you're out, you're not in the tournament. You don't even get to play in the big game. And all of a sudden, we have the championship game. There's two guys who get appointed, two guys who are called out, one guy named Justice and one guy named Matthias. And they find themselves in this moment. And the heroes of faith, the disciples, the 11 at this point in time, do what they always do in a moment when they need God's direction. And this is what they do. They pray. And they said, you Lord who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry. An apostleship from Judas who turned aside to go to his own place. Here's what's so interesting. If you were to look at that, there's two guys who get picked And they bring them to the center of the room, and then the disciples pray, and they say, God, whichever one you would want, whichever one you would need, whichever one you would think. And and in our minds, if we ask the Lord for something, the next thing is, is we would wait. And we would say, okay, God, I'm listening to your voice. Maybe you're going to show me a scripture verse. Maybe you're going to speak through another person. Maybe maybe you're going to maybe you're going to give me a dream tonight. Maybe something maybe I'll have a prophetic vision as to who you want to pick. But but that's not what the disciples do. The disciples do something that we would say is crazy. The disciples basically gamble. And the scriptures say they cast lots for them. So basically what that means is is one, you know, hey, if this right here, this stone If it stands up on this certain way, then that'll be for Matthias. And then this stone that we cast in, if it stands up this certain way, we know that'll be for justice. So you guys ready? Here we go. This is a really godly moment right here. We're going to pick for number 12, the the number 12 disciple. Here we go. We're going to do it. Boom. Matthias. Woo! You win, buddy. Congratulations. You are a part of the twelve. Now, you're the 107 over here. You're watching all of this go on. You didn't get picked the first time. In fact, in fact, what I would say is probably some of the 107 may have been tempted to be thinking this. Are you serious? Who thought to pick Who thought to pick Justice? Like that dude can't even tie his own shoes. Like are you serious? Have, 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 you, have you seen Matthias? Man, like, that guy is crazy. Like, are you serious? Peter, are you going nuts, dude? These two are the one you chose out of, out of the 109 of us right here? You couldn't have picked someone better than these two guys? I mean, they don't even get mentioned ever again in Scripture. This is their one moment. Never again do you hear about them. You don't hear about justice, and you don't hear about Matthias. And Matthias is a stinking disciple, He gets picked, but he doesn't get chosen. You may say, Pastor Brian, where are you taking us on this? Here's the thing that just blew my mind. This story right here isn't so much about someone being chosen. It's about the response of the other 108 who didn't get chosen. What do you do when you don't get picked? What do you do, hidden figure, when you don't get the front stage? What do you do, hidden figure, when people don't know you're the one that did the moment? What do you do when you don't get picked for the team? How do you respond? Proverbs 16, because scripture always is supporting scripture, because some of us would look at it and go, man, casting lots, that can't even be godly, but in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33, it actually says that the lot is cast into the lap, but in every decision, it's actually from the Lord. So the scripture is saying, listen, this is, this is a godly thing that happened in that moment. But remember, many of us, what we would do is, and this is what happens all the time in the church. The enemy comes in and says, see, you didn't get picked. You didn't get chose. See, they, they don't even recognize your gift here. They, they, don't even, they don't even know what you're doing. Why are you doing that? Why are you every Sunday praying and no one even knows? Why, Peggy? Why every Sunday are you doing that? And the enemy comes in and starts, it's probably not even making a difference. No one even notices. No one even knows what you're doing. Because the enemy loves to get the 109 focused on themselves so that they miss out on what's getting ready to come. Because here's the big idea for the day, and this is huge. Your response determines what you experience later in life, so choose well. The big idea today, your response determines what you experience later in life, so choose well. See, the 108 over here who are now left, who did not get picked, could have been so upset. I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe they didn't pick me. They don't even know. Man, I got mad skills. Those disciples, if they knew, do they not know my inheritance? Maybe one of them had a lot of money, and they're like, I could have taken care of the whole operation. But you know what? They didn't pick me, so they ain't getting a penny. They ain't getting any money. They ain't getting nothing. They ain't getting my tithe. They ain't getting my offering. They ain't getting nothing. They didn't pick me. I will hold back. And if you don't think these are true stories, this is true stories of what is happening across the church. And so here's what we have. We have people who are jumping from church to church to church because every time they go into the church, they're like, pick me, pick me, pick me. And the spiritual leader in the house is like, "Uh uh-huh. All you want to do is be picked and be put up front. I'm looking for some hidden figures. I'm looking for some people who know to how to serve behind the scenes. I'm looking for some people who know how to serve like Jesus served and don't care about the spotlight. Because there's only one who needs to be in the spotlight. And it's not me. It's him. It's Jesus. So we don't need a bunch of people. So, so what we have is have like people hopping from church, church. They're like nomads. They got no place to call home. And listen, you may be sitting in here today. You may be one of those who's visiting right now and you're like, I'm getting offended. Well, too bad. So sad. Because, listen, it's not about just finding the perfect place. Because if you think this place is going to be perfect, it is not. Because I'm a broken person and everyone around you is broken people. We all jacked up, messed up, screwed up. But here's the deal. We've been bought with the price. And you know what? As we grow in our maturity, as we grow closer to him, we become more like him. So eventually we're not as jacked up, screwed up, and messed up. But when we first come in, we jacked up, messed up, and screwed up. Come on now. (laughs) But something happens in us. Something happens in our hearts and our lives. And what happens in that moment is your response to not being chosen determines what you get to experience. And this is where the Lord, it was like I was like, what? And then Pastor Ron came this morning and he was like, man, you know, I, was, I did this lesson this week. And he's like, there's this quote that, that Charles Swindoll gave about attitude. And he's like, it's so good. And, and so he sends it over to I'm like, man, that is so good. So let me read this to you. Because your attitude determines what you get to experience later in life. Your attitude, how you respond to not being chosen, how you respond to things happening in your life, how you respond to reports from the doctor, how you respond to things happening at your work, how you respond to your spouse, those choices, that attitude you have in there determines what you experience. Here's how Charles Swindoll says, he says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of the attitude on life. He says, attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, the education, the money, the circumstances, than failure, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It's more important than the appearance, the giftedness or skills that I have. He says, it will make or break a company, a church, a home, a marriage, the attitude The remarkable thing is, is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in certain ways, but we can, and we cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. He says, I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you, we are in charge of our attitudes. See, so your response determines what you experience later in life, so choose well. How you respond to not being chosen, to being overlooked, to being not picked, to second place, to never being mentioned. And then the Lord said, Brian, that's great right there, but let me blow your mind. And I was like, Okay. Do it, God. He said, back up a little bit and remember the context, the narrative of the story. Zoom out a little bit because you're in it. Zoom out a little bit. And man, this is so, so good. I just read to you from the latter part of Acts chapter one. Before that, in Acts chapter one, verse eight, It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. It goes on to say, when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. What's happening? Jesus is literally rising into heaven. How many people are there? 120. The whole group's there. They're all watching this moment happen and unfold. It says this, while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Then Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Boom, period. Then literally we go right into where we just started reading verse 12 then they returned to jerusalem from the mount called olivet which is near jerusalem a sabbath day's journey away and when they had entered they went up into the what upper room where they were staying right here is then where that moment happens the promise is given this moment of being chosen then happens 108 are not chosen And then Acts chapter 2 picks up right here. Here's what Acts chapter 2 says. When the day of Pentecost arrived. So when the day of Pentecost. We don't know exactly how long before the day of Pentecost came. But when the day of Pentecost came, there was known, and we know this. How many were there on the day of Pentecost? Around 120 Is it just happenstance that it's 120 again? Or could it be that it's the same 120? Could it be that the 107, the 108 people who didn't get chosen, could it be that their attitude instead of being, ah, they didn't pick me, Could their attitude have been the right attitude which then put them in the spot to experience the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit ever in their lives? Come on, this is so good. Because it says, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting in divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were, what? All filled with the Holy Spirit. How many? All. All. All 120. Even the 108 who didn't get picked. Every single one of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what does it say? They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 120 people who chose correctly, who kept themselves in a place of receiving rather than having a negative attitude, instead of them saying, You know what, didn't pick me. I'm out of this tribe. I'm done. You picked Matthias. You serious? And he did it by gambling. For one thing, I think that's wrong. And that religious spirit comes up. I can't even believe that. Don't they know that you're not supposed to gamble? Don't they know that that's wrong? Putting God into a box like that, trying to say that he would somehow make the dice turn the certain way. That's ridiculous. They could have been offended. Going to another church. I'm going to a different tribe. Forget this tribe. I don't need you. Didn't pick me. That wasn't their response. See, could it be that how we respond when we don't get chosen determines what we actually experience in life? When you don't get picked. President Trump, I don't want to talk. <laughs> Just tell him I'll come back later, okay? Yeah. You ain't helping. When you think it's unfair, think about it. When you think it's unfair, when you when you have a reason to complain but you choose not to? When you say that you trust God even when circumstances around you look like you don't understand what's happening, see your response determines what you experience later in life. Justice could have missed the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit that had ever happened. Come on, hidden figures. Stop worrying about being recognized. Come on, head and figures. Stop worrying about being chosen. Come on, head and figures. Your response to what happens in your life determines whether you experience the blessings of God or whether you don't. Sometimes we just got to go and wait on the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we got to just make ourselves available to receive and in the midst of the pain. Sometimes we've got to ask God to forgive us because we have selfish ambition and we have pride and desires that are constantly trying to push us to the front when God is calling us to be in the back. It's interesting because yesterday on Saturday I got a, an email from another one of our intercessors here at the church. Her name is Pam Moore and Pam has been praying for our church for quite some time. She used to lead a ministry called Morning Glory, and every day they would be upstairs and they would pray for an hour to an hour and a half every day. She's constantly praying, and Ben, one of those who's constantly still praying, and though that ministry itself has dissolved, she still says, Pastor Brian, I'm praying at home, I'm praying over this church, I'm praying and believing for God to do. She's a hidden figure. She sends me this email email, and it's not like she has sent a lot of these. In fact, this is the first time she's ever sent me anything like this. People will speak things to me all the time. And one of the things is, is we need to evaluate the life of the person who's speaking something into us. If someone who's kooky and wooky and frooky and all that kind of stuff comes to you and is every week giving you a word from the Lord, it may not be from the Lord. And, and if you feel like God's constantly speaking words into you, you need to get a mature Christian who stands alongside of you, who can help you walk through that. Because sometimes God gave you that word for you, and you need to hold that word and not deliver that word. But that's for another time, another season. So Pam sends this email, and she says this. And Pastor Scott, you can come up. She says, I believe I received a word from the Lord this morning. I don't know why but I feel like I'm supposed to share it with you. And it was interesting because when I first read that, I just was like, I know why. I, I know what God's getting ready to do. And this is what she wrote. Awaken, church, and arise. Arise. The time is at hand, and I need you to rise up and to be the force I created you to be. I've given you power over all the wiles of the enemy. Rise up. Put on the full armor I have given you. Wield the weapon of the word. Wield the weapon of prayer. And above all, wield the weapon of love. Only you can do this for me. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And I said, I know exactly what God's trying to do here. He's trying to get 108 to stop worrying about being recognized and just to say, God, here I am. He's looking for a 108 who would say I'll go, I'll wait. He's looking for a 108 who would say God, I'm here. Here I am, unchosen, but here And I wonder how many of us this morning we'd be sitting here in this room right now, and you'd say, "That's me. That's me." Maybe you've been serving the Lord for a long time, or maybe you just started in your relationship with Him. But you're like, you know what? I've always wondered why I didn't get picked. I always wondered why I didn't get chosen. See, your response to that moment determines what you get to experience later. The 108 said, God, we don't care if we don't get picked. We'll go wait, we'll sit in your presence, we'll do whatever you have told us to do because we just, we know one encounter with you can change everything. So I'm gonna ask you across this room if you could just stand to your feet for a moment. Maybe just close your eyes for a moment, take away any distractions around you. If you could just kind of hold tight for a minute. I got have a question for you. The question's a real simple one. Will you respond? In the waiting. Will you say, Here am I, God. Chosen or not, here I am. Called out, here I am. God, here I am. Father God, I pray across this room. As I recognize God there are, there are hidden figures across this room right now But God most importantly there are your kids your sons and your daughters right now across this room And the enemy would love to speak into them right now and say see you haven't been chosen this hasn't and 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 everything rises up inside them that says no my my response I have to I have to make sure I watch my response and God we can't do this on our own we need your help And so, Father, I pray, God, that in these next few moments that your presence would invade this place, God. God, just like Acts chapter 2, God, that we would experience a fresh outpouring of your spirit. God, just like the song we sang earlier, God, we need your presence, God. We need you here in this place. So here's my question that I'm going to ask. If you're here in this room and you say, you know what? I want to be a part of that 120. I'm going to choose today to allow my attitude to be an attitude whether I get chosen or not. Because see, if you get chosen, the the, the problem you can struggle with then is pride. If you don't get chosen, the problem you can deal with is rejection. And neither pride nor rejection are found in Christ. No, he actually came and said, you are chosen. And you are my son and my daughter. He called you and identified you as his own. And when you surrendered your life to him, you became a part of his family. And I believe he wants to meet with you here today. And So if you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I I just want to wait in the Lord for a little bit. I I just want to spend some time in his presence. I I just want to be a part of that 120, chosen or not. I want to be a part of it. My attitude is going to be an attitude of putting myself in a posture of receiving from the Lord. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you just to get out of your seat right now and just come and stand along this altar up here and just say, that's me. I'm ready. I just want to meet with the Lord here today. I am ready and willing and able. I just want to experience him today. I just, I just want to put myself in a posture of receiving from him. So, Father, I pray across this room as people are getting out of their seats and coming down to this altar, I pray, God, that there would be a moment that would break through, God a miracle that would happen, God. I pray, God, for those who maybe have been struggling with not being chosen. I pray, God, that you would heal their hearts. God, I pray that their attitude right now would become an attitude of saying, you know what, whether chosen or not, I am going to choose to worship the Lord. God, I pray for those who maybe feel like they've been chosen, but pride has begun to rise up. God, I pray that that pride would be torn down. God, I pray for people who maybe today are just saying, I'm just hungry. I just want more of the Lord. I wanna put myself in a posture of receiving from the Lord. And so today, I'm gonna put myself I'm going to get out of my seat. I'm going to come down to an altar, and I'm going to say, God, I want to meet with you. I want to meet with you. And Father, let's just see what you do. Let's just see, Holy Spirit, what you might do in this place, in these moments, in this time. And so those of you who are in these altars right now, would you just begin to lift your voice? Come on, would you just begin to out loud lift your voice? Maybe just start off by just saying, God, you are faithful. I love you, God. God, I thank you for who you are. Just begin to allow praise just to be the kind to of come out of your, your mouth right now and lift your voice to him. And just say, God, Would you meet with me here right now? This is just me and you time, God. No one else. I don't care who else is around. This is me and you, God. I want to meet with you in this place. God, I want your presence in my life, God. I want more of you in my marriage. I want more of you in my family. I want more of you in my workplace. I want more of you in my community, God. I want more of you, God, in this place, in this time, in these moments, God. So, God, I'm here. Here I am, God, ready to meet with you, God. Here I am, God, ready to allow praise to erupt out of my mouth, God. I pray, Holy Spirit, God, that you would invade this place. God, that the atmosphere truly would change across our church, God. That the atmosphere would change in our homes. That the atmosphere would change in our minds, God. That the atmosphere would change in our hearts, Lord. God, that we, God, would declare you as king and you as Lord. God, we love you and we praise you, God. We love you and we praise you, God. Come on, let's let's just lift our voice to him right now. God, we love you, Jesus. Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, God. Have your way in this place, Father. Have your way in this place, Father. That your spirit is here in this place. But God, we recognize that your spirit doesn't just inhabit this place, these times, these moments. But Father, we recognize, God, that your spirit is living and active and in us and works through us. We're your temple. So, Father, as presence bearers, as people who are image bearers of you, as people who are light in the midst of the darkness around us. I pray, God, that we would remember and recognize that your spirit is dwelling inside of us and that means that it's not about an emotional moment at an altar. No, 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 God. It is about the fact that you go with us in each and every place that we're gonna find ourselves this week. So God, I pray right now that you would prepare us for our workplaces. God, prepare us for the conversations that we're going to have with people who are broken and hurting. And God, we believe you're going to give moments because the Holy Spirit was not given to us for our feelings and for us to just sit there and bask. No, no, the Holy Spirit, you gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us to then go do the work of the ministry. Again, go share the gospel to go in the power and the authority of the one who sent us. So Father, I pray, God, that you would do that very thing, that as we have conversations with our coworkers, God, I pray, God, that moments would happen where miracles would happen. I pray, God, a co-worker's sick in body and we would, without shame, without delay, we would say, I, I want to pray for you right now. And God, I pray that a miracle would take place. God, that healings would take place. God, I pray for addictions and struggles that may be others around us in our neighborhoods, God, in our community, God. I pray that shackles would fall off, God. I pray, God, that as we have conversations with people, that the Holy Spirit would go forth and empower us to do the work of the ministry, God. That we would go with boldness into our work. That we would go with boldness into our homes. That we would go with boldness into our community, God. God, I pray for our, our leaders across our community, God. And I pray, God, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them discernment. And God, I pray that they would have an encounter with you. God, for our state leaders, for our federal leaders. God, I pray, God, that they would have an encounter with you that would change everything, God. If they don't know who you are, God, I pray for a Saul on the road to Damascus moment to happen in their lives, God, where light would shine upon their eyes, and God, they would recognize, God, that you are king and that you are Lord. God, we pray for them. God, we don't tear them down with our words. No, we lift them up, God. We lift our leaders up, God, with our words. God, we lift them up in prayer. God, we know that no man is perfect but you, and we know that you came to seek and to save all those who are lost. God, that means whatever political side they find themselves on, you love each and every one of them, God. No matter what choices they've made in life, you love each and every one of them, God. No matter what gender they say, they love or don't love, God, you have chosen them by name. You have called them out, God. And so I pray, God, that we would not allow the patterns of this world, those who don't know you, God, that we wouldn't expect them to act like you until they know you, God. And that when they do finally meet you, that then they could take steps. wouldn't be leaps, it would be steps, God. And I pray, God, that it would be in those moments where you would grant your people, us, your people, God, your children, sons and daughters of the King, that you would give us wisdom and discernment and empowerment. That it would not be judgment, critical spirit, pride, ambition, no, 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 it would be servanthood, serving those less more misfortunate than us, reaching out to them with love and compassion. God, that that word that was given over our church, that we would awaken, that we would arise. God, that we would put on the full armor. God, that we put on the helmet of salvation, God that we put on the breastplate of righteousness, God, that we put on the belt of truth and the gospel shoes of peace. God, that we would take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and God, that we would take the shield of faith, and we would go out of this place, not in a defensive posture, but we would go out of this place in an offensive posture. God, that we would take ground that you've called us to. God, that we would take back families, God, that you're calling out. God, that we would take back marriages, and God, we would see people set free, not by our power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit that has empowered us to do the work of the ministry. So God, I pray that you would go with us, that you would move in and through us. God, that we would be empowered by your Spirit and that greater things would come. in the name that is above all the names, all those who would agree would say? Amen. 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 Well, God bless you guys. Have an awesome day.